0: Welcome to Talking Time, the podcast where we talk to amazing people behind Britain's watches. I'm Katya. I work for the Alliance, and here with me we've got Ricky, who has his own very, very successful podcast, Scottish Watches. Hey, Ricky, how are you doing?
1: Not too bad I mean it passes the time I suppose Doing that little thing there But we've got with us today Somebody that's even More famous than me Are you? Or us both added together We've got with us The co-founder Not only of the Alliance But uh, A small watch brand That does like A couple hundred pieces a year Christopher Ward Heard of them? I haven't, no No? Oh well, you're about to They're going to hit it big I think Mike, how's it going? Not spoken to you In
2: a long while We were just saying When we were You know It's, uh, it's, uh, it's been a while And uh, congratulations By the way On uh, on the achievement of um, Scottish watchers because uh, to become the world's number 1 podcast in watchers is no small feat so uh, i will uh, we'll take that as another win
1: for britain yes and i'll let you have that even though i would usually <laughs> say scotland
2: i know you would that's why i uh, <laughs> i nearly said england but
1: uh, <laughs> ooh what is it that happens when somebody from england wins in a sporting tournament well done england when someone from scotland wins well done britain Is that how it goes yeah
2: we all yeah we all love andy murray at the moment yes. okay, one of the good. one of the best Brits out <laughs> <laughs> of course
0: so Mike, you've had a very successful year with Christopher Ward. What were the highlights?
2: Oh, good question. Um, yeah it's been a, it's been a it's been a full-on year um, that's for sure. Um, probably the the biggest highlight um, if I'm honest, came back at the end of uh, October when we launched the C1 Belcanto, which um, for whatever reason, and obviously i've got some thoughts on that as no doubt you and ricky will um it captured the imagination of a, an awful lot of people and um the two limited editions sold out very very quickly which then led us to launch um four new colors on as open series uh, back in january and they have been um, a, a stunning success and so um we are now in the process of um working out how um a little old watch brand, um, British watch brand, um, changes the face of uh, the manufacture of this sort of quality of watch in the volumes that we uh, need to do it in. Uh, and so innovation comes in all sorts of ways, doesn't it? But actually, um, what we're working with um, our colleagues in Beale, and especially Ewald Bader Senior, who uh, has a lifetime in, in watch manufacture, I, it's a while since I've seen him quite so motivated. Um, he's here's a man who invested, um, and he, he'll be quick to tell anybody who wants to listen. He invested very early on in Tesla. He's a really uh, interesting uh, guy. Is uh, York and has his finger on a lot, lot of technological technological pulses, um, and is always looking to break down barriers and move things forward and uh, he uh, even before uh, anybody else almost uh, realized that uh, Elon, Elon the great Elon <laughs> was onto something uh, a bit special but he is the guy who is leading spearheading the the charge to um, to really turn a very specialist um a watch, um, that, um, that nobody's ever really done anything of this ilk in, in anything other than dozens of pieces before into literally thousands. And it's one of our greatest challenges. Um, and one of the most exciting things I think we've ever been involved with. Um, it's really, really very, very interesting. So as well as the canto itself having caught the imagination of lots of people, um, it's also leading to some really creative uh, innovations, um, and relationships in terms of its manufacture. So, uh,
1: fascinating period. Really fascinating. Did you ever think it could have been a damp squib? Because the <laughs> the, the <laughs> sonnery of a Christopher Ward, it's not something people would usually associate. And it was no. completely out of your normal wheelhouse. You like your concepts, you like your sci-fi stuff. Yeah this yeah. was different did you ever think it would fail
2: um, I, um always part of me somewhere in this small brain of mine thinks there's uh, something could easily go wrong so I, you never take anything for granted but there was a moment when uh, i think we knew we had probably something very special on our hands we we, we uh we were at the um Windup show in um, in New York back in October, and although we weren't showing the Belcanto, which wasn't launched until a week or so after Windup, uh, we did take um, uh, a couple of uh, models with us to um, to show people because some of our some some of our um, customers were flying in, you know, from all over the states to come and see us at um, in New York, and so we wanted to give them a special preview. Um, one uh, one of our customers uh, flew in from Texas and. Um, uh, Actually, he didn't know we were going to show him the Belcanto, but he'd heard about this watch that was coming. And uh, so I was talking to him. I said, look, you know, would you like to see it? And he, he said, God, oh, I'd love to. So we showed him, I showed him the Bel Canto. And literally, he was speechless to begin with. And, and we were a bit concerned about him. <laughs> <laughs> He was quite garrulous beforehand, um, but he was rendered speechless. And then, and this is not a word of alarm. I don't think I'd embarrass him if he ever listens to this, but and recognizes who he is. But you know, a small tear started Gosh. forming, and. um the reason, I think, the reason was, um, I mean, you know, he was—he's not 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 a not a pauper by any means, but not a hugely not what you'd describe as a high net worth individual. He told him how much it was going to be, and he knew because it was us and he knows us that it wasn't—it was going to be accessible. I don't think he'd ever thought he would ever own a watch like the Belcanto, and it was such an emotional. Moment for him that it really seriously brought a tear to his eye. So that was a sort of a, a really interesting and profound moment for us. But then word got around the show that we were showing the uh, the bell canto, and there's no um, there's no better sort of commendation when your your professional peers um, are wanting to purchase a watch and uh, of yours. And um, you know the number of people who are also showing at the show who have a. Wanted to buy one there and then. We couldn't sell <laughs> sell them there and then, to them, but put their names down. Um, was quite staggering, and uh, and even those who didn't, um, they all made many of them made a beeline to our stand, wanted to see it, and you know we're, were just um, we're just very very generous in the in their praise of the watch. And uh, so we knew then that that it was probably going to be pretty good. Did we expect? the first 300 to sell out in in seven hours no did we expect the second 300 to sell out in uh, two and a half hours no in seriously no um and did we expect the numbers that we're now uh, manufacturing to be the case no and i've i I, i've been as you know i've been around a while and i've been in a number of different sectors you know from fashion to to homewares to to toys and uh, in i've been involved in um probably on half a dozen occasions a product that suddenly takes a life of its own has a life of its own has a momentum that you you almost is unpredictable uh, and and just has its own sort of life force and this is this is one of those moments and you don't get them that often in in your life um so you know i'm I'm very grateful that um that uh we have this uh when we don't take it at all for granted um and I'm profoundly proud of the the team who um who created it so it's a it's a good moment for us, but as i say we're' we're, we're uh, i generally like a like to keep paranoia at the uh at the forefront because you you just never know when uh, when things are going to yeah yeah exactly Ricky you know that um that's that's life but but it is nice on occasions
1: to enjoy the moment. Well, this is the first Christopher Ward release where I have had die-hard Rolex aficionados contacting me hey, Ricky, you, you work with those Christopher Ward people, don't you? You Can, can you get me one of those Bel Canto things? Yeah. That's a genuine yeah. conversation I Is had with right? somebody. Yeah. yeah. And I said, no, no chance. Absolutely none. Yeah. And you're talking yeah. about the way that that watch, it, Shot into the stratosphere Not just within Our little realm Because we deal with The independents Obviously Through this new podcast That we're launching today This is to highlight And push forward British watchmaking But in my other job i wear another hat Working with Scottish watches We like to Take the independents The guys that are Doing it their own way And propelling them forward I've not seen anything like this It's almost like The independent version Of the moonswatch Everybody was clamouring <laughs> For it And then yeah, different colours yeah. Came out And they were just As successful just as popular right to this moment yeah I mean we're, we're
2: you know they're selling every day um, we're now out to pre-orders um, for February 24 uh, and people are paying a deposit um, and uh, putting their names down uh, you know there is a limit to how many of these we can manufacture, even doing what we're doing. Um, and the demand hasn't slowed, even though it's now out to February 24. And surely we'll be out to March 24.
1: Well, for the people that don't know the spec and the details, who have just heard the name, can you give us a quick run through on the watch?
2: Sure. I mean, the, um, the C1 Belcanto is, is, is perhaps appropriately named. I mean, it's a, it's a, um, it's a chiming watch. Um, it's a, um, the French um, called it a sorry au Passage. Um, which means that it's um it chimes uh on the hour every hour unless you switch it off. We have a uh, an on off button. Um and the thing that um so th- you know, as you know, Ricky and um and Katya, you know, charming watches are not um not de rigueur, they're not everywhere. Uh they're fairly fairly niche in terms of the number of people who create them. So that was a probably a surprise for us as much as anybody else that we ended up creating it. And the the guy who's um who deserved most of the credit, um there are several. I mean the design team have done a amazing job and i'll talk about the design in a second but um our technical director frank stelzer um is the guy i think who who really deserves uh the biggest pat on the back if you like um because it was frank who you know in one of those sort of eureka moments i think um the sort of eureka moment that if i um lay in the bath for the next 40 years i probably wouldn't have um you know um he 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 worked out um in his head one day, um, that the, that our, um, caliber JJ, JJ01 jumping hour watch had within it the capacity with the addition of a mere 50 additional components <laughs> to be turned into. Uh, a watch that um had a chiming function that uh could could uh, you know that uh the the power could be sent to a hammer which would then hit a gong which would then create a chime and so that was a a piece of lateral thinking that you know um few people have you know and uh you know, ever grateful to frank for that.
1: Getting technical on that subject, there. I'm thinking with a jumper, there seems to be a build up of torque, and then it's instantaneously Correct. released. And instead of flicking a disc round or whatever, you're then yep. impacting the hammer onto the gong.
2: That that's exactly right. And and uh, Johannes Janker who was our master watchmaker, who initially developed, albeit be alongside Frank, developed the jumping hour. Um, uh, created um, uh, a really interesting jumping hour complication. Um, and the module that sits above the SW 200, um, which, uh, cause what he wanted to create and we wanted him to create was the most accurate jumping hour in existence. And, uh, he did that actually. I mean, we currently don't have it in the collection, although we, we recently did a collaboration with, um, Nicholas, um, at the yes. uh, fears for the Alliance, um, which maybe we'll talk about catcher mm. at some point. Um, and that was the, that's the first time the jumping hour has, um, uh, see been seen in the wild, if you like for, a, for a, for a good period of time but it was the it's the way in which it captures the power over the course of the hour he wanted it to be um, not all in one go but but very gradually and therefore he created a really accurate um jumping hour so it changes precisely on the hour if you look at most jumping hour complications they're always a few seconds out either way this goes absolutely on the hour and so it was his Johannes's sort of cleverness in creating that that led to the possibility one of the, the an easier possibility of transferring that power into a hammer to hit a gong um but it was it was really Frank who who had that lateral thought that allowed it to happen there's no question about that and then beyond that i mean we as you know Ricky we create um nearly all of the watches and have done for many years for Meistersinger. And um, we created, uh, when the the very first um, bel canto, although it wasn't called a bel canto, uh, I think it was called Bellora uh, for Meister Singer, uh, we produced um, for them. Um, and the movement was uh, hidden be- beneath a dial, uh, and therefore the, the, the chiming complication, which at that stage wasn't particularly attractive. It didn't need to be because it was underneath the dial. Uh, we decided we wanted to create our own um, rather than just... Um, create it for my singer but this is where things began to get interesting mm-hmm. to use one word and complicated to use another which is um we wanted to show the interesting parts of the complication above the platine um so not a dial uh, the, the watch has a platine so the, the the colored part the plate um has uh you know as you know most dials have the movement attached underneath So, you've got lots of parts of the movement um, attached to the dial. Here, we had half, uh, several elements of the movement above the platine of the dial if you like and then the stuff that is not so interesting underneath uh, and yes that's a that was that was thought one um, and to some extent you know inspired um, by you know, Max Bousset legacy machines etc that oh, yeah. sort of that sort of look that's easy to say very much more difficult to achieve uh, especially when you've already you know Frank's already worked um, long and hard to create this original movement, <laughs> <laughs> and we come along and the design team come on and say well actually Frank you know, what we'd like, we'd like the hammer here, we are the gongs of the, we'd like this part and that wheel and the gear chain we'd like centrally. Any problems? Well, uh, only about 18 months worth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, he. You know, every time we, because we wanted the aesthetic it to be beautiful um, and to warrant the name and to warrant the noise, if you like, the sound that it made. Uh, and for it to be something really desirable. Um, as well as the chime. And so that's what the design team wanted. That's what I wanted... Frank was probably as an engineer less interested it has to be said in in aesthetics more interested in the way things work and so we gave him the most incredible headaches there were some real arguments to which I was uh, ultimately the referee because you know (laughs) we were causing him such pain uh, because every time you move even a small screw it requires a lot of things to change but ultimately uh, you know, after 18 months of blood sweat and literally some tears um, we got to the end game which is um which is, I think, you know, and I, you know, I'm not going to be falsely modest about it because, you know, it is a it is a beautiful looking piece uh, and really well balanced. And that was that sort of um, symmetry was was which we all love in terms of watches. You know, it, it 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 is symmetrical as best it can be given the various different parts and has its beauty through that symmetry. But to get to that symmetry was a real, real labour of um, labour of love and um and and not uh, not absence of a. Few few intense arguments from time to time. The the Watch is really a story, I tell people, it's really a story of four young men. Because these, the people who put this together, Frank is still, you know, uh, he may just have reached 40, which to me is very young. Um, so, so you know, he's just forty. Adrian Buchman, our head of design, is still in his sort of early to mid thirties. Will Brackfield, our design the, the the guy who did most of the legwork on the actual design, is still in his is just turned thirty. Uh, and uh, York Bader Junior, York Senior's son, obviously, uh, who um, heads up our uh, new product uh, development team. Bringing all the engineering together with the aesthetics and uh, the supply chain. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's still in his twenties. So, so, you know, this is a, and, and it's their efforts and their sort of, um, devotion to delivering something exceptional, even given huge barriers to overcome. It's their triumph, really. And that's the thing that, uh, I, I, I've enjoyed most of all this. Having them receive, um, you know, the, the, the compliments and the flowers, as you might say, for, for, for such a gargantuan effort. And, um, you know, we're, we're very lucky to have you know, such committed and talented individuals in the, in, in the business. But, uh, and this is one of those occasions when, uh, all of those talents were brought to bear in a single project. So it is a fascinating thing in uh, lots of different levels. It's an important watch for us. Yes, it sells well, but actually it has other ramifications for the business in the way we operate and the, the, confidence it's given some individuals you know will is will joined us only about um three and a half four years ago his ambition is to become the best watch designer in the world that's what he said when he joined he took a he took a you know a pay cut to come to christopher Warder. he changed his career because he wanted to be the best watch designer in the world uh, and you know i think he's on his way <laughs> i don't think he's there yet but i think he's on his way and to have that in a british brand that sort of talent is um is, is 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 encouraging
0: what an incredible story mike so many talented people involved and uh, and tears i've heard tears you know and there's still people weeping those on the waiting list probably you know <laughs> yeah
2: there are sadly there
0: are i hope um, not for long
2: well no it'll as i say it's out to out to february 24 now people are having to wait but um we're hopeful we'll be able to you know over deliver against the against the promise if you like but uh, uh, but uh, we're not uh, we're not going to be hostage to fortune on this That's for sure.
1: Well I see some of the points you've raised there about it wasn't just promoting this watch and this is successful and it helps you as Christopher Ward gain more publicity and more eyeballs. I think it trickles down into what we're here to talk about today and that's British watchmaking because it draws eyeballs and you mentioned the Legacy Machine, I can see a lot of Arnold and Son, I can yeah, see... Yep. A bit of Armand yep. I can see anything yep. that has got that classic mix with contemporary. Yeah, uh, spot on. All these different yep. brands. Yeah. But you're doing it at such an inexpensive, figuratively speaking, price point.
2: Yeah, it's not cheap. I mean, 3,000, you know, is not cheap in
1: anybody's language, but it's uh,
2: compared to anything of its ilk that's gone before. It's, uh, you know, a factor of 10. Oh, yeah. less and, and more so it's uh yeah it's it's and you're right it's brought eyeballs onto onto our brand and therefore it's bringing eyeballs onto uh, british brands which is um something that um
1: something you're interested isn't it, Mike?
2: uh kind of interested in and uh i know you are too and many people are Katya of course is uh very passionate and uh, deeply involved in as well um because you know um since we set up the uh alliance of british watch and clock making um again you know a bit like the question you asked it was about bel did we did we was there any part of us that thought it might not work well i think you know absolutely honestly and we've Roger and I have said this to you before, Ricky, uh, uh, in previous conversations. You know, literally, we we didn't know if anybody was going to join when we set it. I knew Christopher Ward would and I knew Roger Smith would. But beyond that, we really didn't know uh, how it would be received. You know, today, I think, Katya, we've got, what, 78, 78
0: yeah. But, but we've, got, we've got the community now um, of the makers and the club members and the students, and that's great. And we've got new people coming on board.
1: Well, Katya, do you want to... Explain to everybody because this show isn't just going out to members who are already in the club or part of the alliance. This is going out to the world, and there'll be folks that are learning about the alliance possibly for the first time, or may think it's a trade-only body, or may think it's going to cost hundreds of pounds to join. So, do you want to explain a little bit about it for everybody?
0: Well, we set up about what two, just over two years ago during lockdown, which I think is perfect timing, right, Mike, to set up <laughs> a new <laughs> venture. Could
1: <Yeah. laughs>
2: couldn't it be better time? Yeah, catch but you better? No, better. kept us
0: very focused. And, uh, um, like Mike said, nobody knew how well it will be, um, going, but we've got 78 trade members now. They're all British watch and clock making companies and our club membership database is growing every day. And thanks to everyone for support. It's not expensive to join. It's £55 pounds a year. And we've got some nice perks coming with it, like Oracle time subscription, GMT subscription. And a certificate signed by Mike France and Roger Smith with a special badge designed by Roger Smith. So uh, lots of bucks.
1: I hear there's a waiting list for those certificates.
0: Yes. Mind me reminding Mike. To.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got a I've got a pile on my desk here. Mike's just got, next got to about me.
0: 500 certificates to sign for me and then yep, that, yep. he needs to send them off to the Isle of Men to Roger Smith to sign because we don't just print them, you know, we, we have them personally signed by both
2: yep, yep.
0: celebrities of the Watch making world.
2: Well, uh, uh, well, you, Roger, Roger may count as uh, as such. Uh, I wouldn't count myself as a celebrity. I think most people most people think Mike who? but then they see Roger's face. Oh, that's all right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But we've had an exciting year. And Mike's already mentioned our first collaboration watch, which um, Mike with Nicholas from Fears Watches have created specially for us to raise funds for the Alliance. Thank you very much. And um, that was, I know Belcanto was incredibly successful, but Alliance 01 also was quite a successful watches here, wasn't it, Mike? How long did it take to sell that?
2: Was it two minutes, 13 seconds, or something about it? Yes, that it was. Um.
0: Yeah, it was <laughs> under three minutes. Yeah.
2: Under three minutes for sure, uh, to sell fifty watches at uh you know, four thousand pounds was um it was shocking in its way. But uh again we also knew, didn't we, Katya, that uh there was a lot of uh interest in it. And so it turned out uh, and there's a waiting list as long as you're on and there's lots of people who are who keep contacting me to say you must have a spare one you must have one. we don't it's a, I think it's an interesting sort of um expression of uh, of what the uh, the alliance has become you mentioned Katted that it's it's become a community and uh, one of the um one of the I suppose surprises really of uh, of what's happened since we've forged the alliance um is uh, how willing people are to share stuff and how interested... Most of us are in each other, prepared to collaborate about um, about almost anything, and uh, this is a, a a very visible expression, if you like, of that sort of willingness to collaborate on behalf of something bigger than all of us, which is the alliance. And uh, you know, all the, all of the profits um, are donated to the alliance, which is great because um, it's a not for profit organisation. And some people actually think Roger and I must be getting a load of stuff. Are uh, truthfully, truthfully not. And so it was a joy to be. You know, it's not the first time two watch brands have collaborated, but it's not that common. And uh, But it was a joy to work with uh, Nicholas, um, who I've known for a long time. And um, again, for him to, ha- to be brave enough to allow our designers uh, loose on a-, a watch that we wanted to be an expression of fears... With a with a with a movement um, provided by us, which is as I said, the JJ one jumping out calibre, um, was that just a very brave and um, adventurous thing to do, and it was a, just a joy to um, to work with uh, with Nicholas over the over the course of months in the creation of the watch, and uh, delighted that it's been so so successful.
1: Okay, no one's listening, Mike. So what's it actually like working with Nicholas? As much as he's a friend, you know, never work with your friends. It's really bad. I thought that uh, Ricky, you know, <laughs> it's it, a it,
2: it, you know genuinely. Now that now that we're alone. Uh i'd never (laughs) want to do it again never again never again absolute nightmare the man anyway
1: back to the show know that nicholas will ever (laughs) listen to that part so we got to hear on the sister podcast To this one We actually Had Nicholas and Roger On the show Round about the time The launch was about to happen Yeah I remember You know what they say There's his story Your story And then there's the truth So he's told us <laughs> <his, laughs> How it worked on his side What was it like The design process And then working with What could in effect Be seen as a rival watch company But is actually A collaborative endeavour
2: uh, Yeah I mean Incredibly It was um, It was It was really pleasurable <laughs> And uh, uh I think I, I, no, there's no question. Um, the first meeting, which we actually had in the, the room I'm sat in now, and there was myself, there was Nicholas, there was Will and, uh, and Adrian. We had had some conversations with Nicholas and he'd given, you know, we'd also done and the guys had done their background on understanding um, you know the fierce brand as well as they could, and conversation with uh, Nicholas about how he might see the watch. Uh, and they'd gone away, and they'd um, they'd created um, some two D renderings, uh, a number of options of design and cover, and of course, and uh, they literally, I can tell you, I mean they you know Will and Adrian were ge- genuinely very, very more nervous than I've seen them ever in presenting their ideas because they're presenting their ideas about to back to the founder of a brand that they haven't really worked for before and who is understandably going to be very, very protective about the look of his watch any watch that's going to come out with the fear's name on it. And so that was a trepidatious moment, it should be said. And the good news was that um you could tell almost immediately the relief On firstly Nicholas's face, (laughs) because as he as he was being shown these renderings, you could tell uh, because we thought they looked great, but you could tell that he was absolutely (laughs) relieved that we hadn't completely ruined his wonderful brand. (laughs) And then, as with always with these sorts of things, um, we had a we had a preference ourselves, and the three of us completely were aligned with the preference both
1: in terms of design and colour but we presented a number of options did you do that old thing where you've got the one you like and then you made really shit ones exactly yeah
2: but but good on him. He uh, unfortunately picked the right one. So we all uh, bought into the, this this particular this particular design and uh, and and color. And then it was about you know the process was all always going to be about the details. As you know, it's always so There's a lot of detail to resolve in in, in watches and so that was you know and it's quite a the level of finishing on the watch um you know from the from the case through to you know the the multi multi-layered dial um is 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 exceptional and um a lot of time was spent on on the detail but my favorite detail of all which i think if i'm honest i think it was i think it was Nicholas's idea is uh on the on the reverse of the lugs You've got the number and also the Alliance's uh, logo uh, and fears and Christopher Ward, and it just it, 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 it's just a lovely, lovely touch, and one which I'm quite keen for us to uh, maybe always incorporate that sort of idea into uh, any uh, future Alliance uh, collaboration watch. And indeed, it's not a bad idea to um, to be putting. I, I've got this idea that all of our future Christopher Ward watchers might also have a uh, an Alliance stamp on the reverse of one of the LUDs. Uh, but it was probably more pleasurable than even I or Nicholas thought it was going to be. And uh, we're, you know, uh, and the success that it's had for uh, for the alliance is uh, is just icing on the cake, really.
0: So we had a chat about all the current things happening, which are really exciting. Um, and for the listeners who don't know much about Christopher Ward, and I know Mike, you've told that story so so many times. But how did it all start?
1: You <laughs> we put a time limit on him. We know what he's like. He can
2: run away oh, by himself. Dear, oh dear, oh dear, Right, I'll do the I'll do the short version. I heard um, there
0: was
1: a story about a boat.
0: Yeah, Ricky's nah. never heard this I've story. I've never heard the boat you story. Might- I, no, come on, Ricky. haven't you? It really
2: not Well, I mean, so the story is true story. As uh, so, Peter, Alice, my co-founder and I had sold Early Learning Centre, and for those who don't know, it was an educational toys business. You know, you can only lie on the beach for so long. So after about a month, completely bored. Uh believe believe you have to be. You know, we're all, we're on this planet to be productive, are we not? So let's go and do something else. Okay, uh, what are we going to do then? Um, as it happened. Uh, Old friend and colleague of mine, Chris Ward, was uh, looking for uh, for new. new. The three of us were on uh, on a on a boat on the Thames, idling down at uh, no more than six knots. <laughs> Uh, down the Thames, trying to work out what we were going to do. So, you know, with 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 apologies to G- to uh, Jerome K. Jerome um, and three men at a boat, we were the uh, the the 2004 version. This was uh, May 2004. We we created a decent sized um, internet business. We were early adopters of the Internet at the Early Learning Center, and so we figured if we could sell um, if you could sell um, climbing frames. Uh, online you could probably sell anything because back in 2004 people genuinely believed you would not you definitely aren't going to sell a single watch you know the number of people who tell me you've got to be jim there's no way there's no way on god's earth you're going to sell a watch online okay but then they believed that um, you wouldn't be selling clothes online in back in 2004 and so we thought that's unlikely um we did our research um which um you know, we, we got lucky. There's always luck in all of these things, isn't there? We knew we'd been around long enough, even then, to know people who knew people who knew people. Um, but a very close friend of ours ran a very large, um, very large sort of opera, clothing operation in in central China. He was Adidas's second largest supplier, Woody Lamb, his name was, um, and or is. Um, I hope he's still alive. And Woody had been one of um, 32 people that the Swiss had brought over from Asia back in the sort of 70s and early 80s to teach them the dark arts of horology. They never did it again. I can't think why. But, um, and Woody wanted to be a watchmaker. But as the eldest, um, in his family, his father, his father was a big Taiwanese fabric merchant. As uh, Woody was the eldest son, and when his father died, family business, it was expected that he took it over. So he turned that uh, fabric business into the largest uh, supplier of uh, clothing to Adidas, or second largest supplier of clothing to Adidas in the world, but still um, collected all of the Mintel reports every year on watches, um, still knew loads of people in the industry. And so when we said, hi, Woody, we're thinking about going into watches, he said, oh... Wonderful! I'll send you what I've got. So I ended up surrounded by about a hundred Mintel reports, <laughs> and which would have cost me the earth had I decided to buy them. Which meant, you know, seriously, several months embedded in trying to work out, understand the industry uh, to start with, and then work out where we might best be placed in it.
1: But what are these reports for people that don't know? Myself included. Mintel is a market research company, and they produce uh,
2: very detailed reports. On every single sector of, uh, of of industry, several times a year, truly detailed. I mean, they're they're, they're often two hundred pages thick, and you get to know uh, everything that's in the public domain and sometimes not in the public domain about any sector. You know, who owns what share, what the average prices are, you know, which territories are the biggest, all of this data. Yeah, and so you can plot your way through if you're of of that mind, um, and you know, a get a real handle quite quickly on what's going on in the sector that you previously knew nothing about so i immersed myself in the watch industry for a couple of months um, surrounded by this data trying to work out how it worked where there was a gap and we kind of decided then that you know we wanted to go online nobody was doing online only we thought that there was an opportunity for that Um, nobody was we through this research Woody introduced us to a number of very senior figures in the Asian watch world, working for some major brands, um, both as suppliers and as retailers. And we got to know first costs. You know, you know that's because we were friends of Woody. They were opening the books to us. And so we were staggered to learn that, um, A... Nearly all of the componentry that they were using, we could access <laughs> little elders who never didn't know, didn't know anything, you know. Uh, and B, the second thing we were really staggered to discover was um, that some of them were multiplying the cost price by a lot. <coughs> 12. <coughs> well, <laughs> uh, the most famous example was 34 times. Well, wow. mm. that wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And that, 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 that brand, I won't name, name the brand because they'll probably sue me, but uh, that brand is still, uh, is still around and still, um, a claiming it's all Swiss made and B that they're value for money, and we thought, well, actually, you know, we're we we were three, um, you know, working class northern lads, really, with our mothers <laughs> on our shoulders, um, you know, going, how much, are Michael, you know, if I bought uh, if, I, if I bought a TV set that was more than the you know, how much are you pay for that? Yeah. Um, so we decided that um, the gap here to do something different was to utilise this componentry, um, but actually apply just a regular retail margin, which is three times, and because we weren't going through a wholesale model, we would be at least least half the price of anything equivalents and often a quarter or a fifth or an even bigger a smaller fraction and so that was what we decided to do there were two choices we wanted it to be uh, online we wanted it to have global reach we didn't we wanted it to be easy to move around the world so sofas was out um, and um, it had to be something that we were interested in and um, jewellery fitted um, fitted the bill but uh, the others weren't uh, in touch with their feminine side so uh, that was out Uh, but all of us had a a different levels a real interest in uh, watches there's, and so we decided that watches was what it was going to be.
0: When you sat on the boat, do you remember what watches you had on?
2: I would have had on, because uh, my particular passion at the time was IWC. Um, and I had I had, um, I had um, one of their pilot, um, uh, this, actually it was a Spitfire 15 watch on, um, which I've still got the 38mm one, uh, which I still think is an absolute classic and still informs much of the view we have about design, which has to have a certain clarity about it. They've been through their travails like, everybody else over the years um, IWC, but at their best, I still think they're one of the, the brands that cuts through and produces um, clarity. Uh, in their design, uh, and I've always loved their watches, um, and still do. Uh, I think they're about to release something, um, something very interesting, aren't they? Indies. The yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what it is, yeah. but I'm probably not supposed to know. Yeah. But I do know what it is. Someone, someone was indiscreet. So, uh, which will turn out to be good news for us, I think. Our very next launch uh, might be something um, not dissimilar, and I think the noise around this particular type of watch is uh, is going to be. Um, is going to be loud because of uh, because the IWC might be doing something similar, or they may not depending on what you've signed.
0: <laughs> There's a great story, Mike, especially for some young brands that are just starting up in Britain. We've got quite a few of them starting up and I think they should all listen to your story because, A, you started completely from scratch. You know, you've got like a Christopher Wood pot and you've done your research, which I know is your tagline <laughs> in the company. The our line, yeah. There, yeah. The reports. <laughs> and then uh, you've found the niche market and uh, what else is in the pot?
2: I, I don't know. I think. Uh, Yeah, the the only advice I ever ever give to anybody, uh, and as you say, Katya, we've got some, I mean, I think we've got some amazing young talent in in the British watch industry. And uh, they put us to shame, frankly, they're far smarter than uh, we ever were. But um, the only advice uh, I ever give them is, um, particularly in the watch industry, there are two pieces really. One is um, uh, make sure you've got enough cash. (laughs) Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the, the reality is this is not an industry for the faint-hearted. It's a very um, cash-intensive, working capital-intensive. Certainly in the early days, many brands who've got great ideas go under because they run out of cash. So be well-financed. And if you think you're well-financed, you're not. Double or treble what, what you think you, you is good, and then you'll be probably okay. The second thing that I, I offer people, and this is really for the next stage of their development, is um, I think you have to invest in expert, to real expertise. You know, the three of us could literally get on a flight out to Switzerland tomorrow, uh, go to a sort of an OEM company. There are two or three, you know, say Ruwenter is one of the bigger ones. Um, if we had a good idea for a for a watch or a watch brand, through them, bring to life watches. And I think that's a great way to start. So the barriers to entry these days are much lower uh, than they used to be. But if you're going to move beyond the micro level, and and, you know, my passion is... For the industry to grow and grow and grow. We have what we call, as you know, catch a project yeah. one billion, um, which is we, we are determined to do our little bit to help the British watch industry reach a billion pounds turnover, you know, within a kind of a 10 year time frame. Um, and it's starting from around about one hundred and twenty-five hundred and fifty million 150 million now. So there's a way to go, but to do that, you have to think big. You have to, you know, not just be in this to, as a lifestyle, you know, uh, you have to want to, Some of these brands, not all of them, but some brands have to go mainstream. Uh, And to do that, I think you have to outgrow your micro-brand status. And to outgrow your micro-brand status, you need genuine watchmaking expertise. Um, And so when you can, if you haven't already got it, my advice to people is if you want to get to the next stage invest in expertise
1: Well I think that's one of the reasons you and Roger got your heads together because it wasn't just to sell more watches from the brands that exist here in the UK it was to get the employment levels up, the education oh. levels mm-hmm. up and to have homegrown talent so can you tell us the history of how the Alliance came to be now that we know how Christopher Ward came to be? Sure I mean yeah I mean it was a Roger and I had known each
2: other for a, for a good while, Yeah. I mean all of uh, we're talking about in mean, Roger, and he'll be embarrassed if he because he will listen to this, but uh, so I'll, I know I'll embarrass him, but you know, we are talking about one of the, if not the greatest living watchmaker. Sure.
1: Did he ever tell you the story about how he crashed the CNC machine and broke all the tools and stuff? He
2: did, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's not always played sailing, is it? Um, (laughs) But, you know, he's developed ultimately into uh, one of, if not the world's greatest uh, watchmaker. But um, if I have any skills, they're sort of, uh, you know, in a different arena. But somehow um, we always connected. It was a chance meeting at the very last um, uh, Salon QP. Um, uh, We bumped into each other and... He and I, through different meetings and knowledge of different parts of the industry, knew that there was a really, there was something going on in the British watch sector that definitely wasn't being represented in this show. It was a really dispiriting, disheartening show. It was the, it was the entrails of Salem QP, if you like. I, I think it was the last one. This was 2018, uh, November 2018. And um, um, we just said, look, this, this can't be the best of Britain. Um, we should do something about it. <laughs> um, we just said yeah let's do something about it we had no idea uh, what that was going to be at that stage went away uh, Roger um, contacted Catch's you know, husband Alistair Alistair Rosley. and um, probably a couple of months later in January or February of 2019 I think it was Alistair who'd sort of come up with the idea that what we needed was a trade body of sorts um, that was something concrete that cemented things together and we thought that I thought that, and Roger was that an excellent idea. Uh, how do you set up a tray body? You know? <laughs> Who knows? So we pulled in uh, pulled in a few favors from people we knew, uh, did our research. Yeah. Um, you know, Alice did a lot of background work, um, and the idea of the alliance formed. And what we wanted it to be from the very outset was something forward looking. Everybody knows the history of and the heritage of British watchmaking. And a lot of but a lot of it is looking back, and we should be very proud and are very proud of that heritage, of course, but there was nothing really looking forward that was looking to promote and grow the industry in this country, and yet we knew that there were some really talented individuals you know um doing some amazing things, but there was no connectivity, so the idea of having something that enabled connections to be made. You know, I'm a great believer, I know Roger and Alistair and are as well. I just believe that when, if you put people together and there is a genuine, uh, in in an appropriate way, with an appropriate uh, vision uh, and a shared sort of, um, a shared interest, things happen when the right people are together talking the right things. So for, at the very simplest level, it's back to Katya's phrase of community. Yes, it's a trade body and yes, we have a seat uh, in government now and we, the voice of our industry can be heard at the highest tables and that's really powerful. But at its very base level and its very core, it's about putting like-minded individuals together with a common cause. And if those people are genuine and so many people in this industry the one of the beauties about the watch industry in this country is the authenticity and the genuineness of the people in it it's a it's a incredible and i've been in some uh, let's not talk about the fashion industry and this is a uh, uh, very unusual in my experience this sort of the camaraderie that exists if you put people together and the sort of stuff that spins off that and so that was you know uh, really important to us then was this well, how do we how do we promote it? how do we grow it and that 's that 's about giving it a voice it 's about making the world understand what 's going on uh, letting the British government realize because they didn 't by the way that there was something called a British watch they had no idea they did not know there was a there was an industry in this country. they thought it died in sort of eighteen twenty two you know it 's about people, all businesses, all industries are ultimately about people, and it 's about talent and our aim. Is to try and attract the brightest and the best into this industry, and the only way you're going to do that is demonstrating a strong future and demonstrating to all of these bright people whether they're coming out of Birmingham City University with horology degrees or you know just in a PP at Oxford and are interested in coming into marketing. It doesn't really the watch industry is a, is broad. It's not just about watchmaking. It's it's all sectors. If you're going to grow it, you've got to attract the brightest and the best, and so. It's important that we, it's promoted that we have a voice. It's important that people listen to these sorts of podcasts. It's important that people like you, Ricky, which is what you do, you promote it, you know, across the world so that people are absolutely aware that this is a thriving, growing, forward thinking sector with loads of opportunities. And if you, no matter who you are, if you're talented, it's well worth looking at. And if we can get that sort of message across and attract increasing numbers, and we are doing, by the way, increasing numbers of talented people, then the future, given the innovativeness of uh, the British psyche, um, look what we've done in Formula 1. No, we're not the biggest um, players in the automotive industry, but my God, we're leading the technological charge in in, in the automotive industry because of Formula 1. And I have a personal view that that's possibly, hopefully, where we will, as a nation, take the lead again, that I just think that we have capacity within ourselves as a nation. We're both entrepreneurial and we're both true innovators and engineers. And engineering innovation is something that we have always been supreme at. It just needs to be translated again back into the into the the watch industry, and there are aspects of that happening. It's popping off all over the place in the watch sector. So it's a really really exciting time to be involved in something, and it's always exciting to be involved in things that grow. And I suppose the
1: very at the very simplest level,
2: you know, things grow in the sunlight, and the alliance is a, is is just shining some sunlight onto. British watch and clock making.
1: It's a massive magnifying glass. Before you guys launched, which I actually launched on the sister podcast to this a couple of over two years ago, yep. there were brands that even I didn't know, and I was entrenched in this as a hobby to start with before it became my career. And you guys have just constantly shone the light on different organisations I didn't know exist. I know the next episode that's coming out, should we tell people who that's going to be, catcher.
0: We've got an amazing company from Cambridge called Bowcroft Watches, and we're going to be talking to Matt and Kareem of how they've started the business and their wonderful plans for the future.
1: I believe there's a boat story involved in that as well.
0: Yes, there's a boat story as well. Mm. Yeah.
1: Hmm. All good companies have boat stories involved in them.
0: A bit narrower river, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. So let's get to know Mike a little bit. I've got a couple of personal questions. Oh, my goodness.
2: <laughs> How personal. Oh, I'm
0: not too personal. So you obviously have big passion for watches, but um, what else are you passionate about? Could, could it be, by any chance, football?
2: <laughs> well, football is certainly one of my passions, and uh, you have to be passionate to be an Evertonian these days. My father took me to my first game when I was three years of age um so uh, i'm i'm a lifelong evertonian um and that's uh that could be quite difficult at times um other <laughs> passions that i've got are um i'm really into my music drum and bass uh, obviously obviously cool. uh, and 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 electro dance etc um i'm sure bob dylan uh is going to bring out a drum and bass electro um album at some <laughs> point in his uh, in his life uh big dylan fan i started um this is me being different to my um my mates at school um you won't remember this, um, you might, but we all used to go with um, to school with um, LPs as they were then.
0: I know, I'm from the Soviet Union, yeah.
2: And uh, everybody was sort of into Led Zepp and all that when I was at school. And uh, I went a different path, I discovered um, West Coast America, and so the early Americana stuff, and I was really into the birds, uh, which led me to Dylan, which led me to Crosby, Stills, Nash and then Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and Graham Parsons and Linda Ronstadt, who, by the way, is uh, having a moment again now, Linda Ronstadt. Uh, so I, I started my life sort of on the west coast of America uh, and then went down into Nashville, if you will. Um, so music is a big passion
1: of mine. Very Steve uh, Jobs-in-of-you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah he yeah. was it's, very similar to in music. I didn't realise that. Mm.
2: Uh, and then I suppose... Um, outside of uh, outside of that
1: Aston Martin,
2: I do like my cars um, <laughs> and uh, i'm a very lucky boy in that i I have an aston martin d b nine which uh, as I always say to people, if it didn 't have an engine in it, I could lift it i 'd put it on the um, I'd put it on the wall because uh, I still think um, and i've I become a little disappointed with the direction aston martin have, have gone in i always say uh and this for me. Aston Martin lost its way the moment it put Aston Martin on the boot. Aston Martin didn't need to put its name on a car.
1: <laughs> It just
2: had its badge. And now it has Aston Martin on it. And I thought, no, you've, you've misunderstood. Whoever's in charge of Aston Martin misunderstands the brand now. Um, uh, but for me, the, the last most beautiful uh, wow. Aston Martin was the DB9. And uh, it, it inspired it inspired our light catcher case, as Ricky probably
1: remembers so i owe it quite a lot anyway but um, i do love it well that is the end of the show and for the folks that aren't already members of the alliance i'm pretty sure they're now very keen both trade and club. So for the people that are perhaps thinking of starting a watch company, getting involved, or have been in the business for a little while and want to get involved with the Alliance, as far as I'm aware, there's not a charge, but how should people approach you to get involved in this,
0: Well, You can just go on our website. If you want to join as a club member, there's a very easy process to do that. Just email us there. If you want to join as a trade member, it's free if you registered in the UK. Uh,
2: it's also worth saying that um, students... Um, of virology. It's also free to them to be club members. Uh, And it's fantastic that we've got so many students who've signed up, but the more the merrier. Back to what we're talking about, getting talent
1: interested and involved in British Watch Waking, it's, uh, it's completely free of charge students. And as we said earlier on it's not hundreds of pounds per year for a membership, it's only £55 and you get annual subscription to Oracle Time, which is a fantastic publication if you don't already know about it. You get a free digital subscription to GMT plus lots of other things coming down the line. I believe you had to be a member to actually buy the limited edition watch.
0: Yes, that's correct. We've got our next collaboration watch lined up as well, which we can't talk about who that is, but we know who it's going to be and we're very excited can't wait to see what it's going to look like and you will also need to be our club member to be able to purchase it
1: You're going to be very excited by the next uh, collaboration Ricky You are Hmm. I I hope I'm about to find out when I press the stop button on my recorder (laughs) 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 Well thanks for tuning in and listening and yeah be sure to check in next month when we have got the chaps from Bowcroft Watches on Thanks a lot and we'll speak to you soon Goodbye Bye now